Hello, 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 everyone. Mary Tapa here, your host at Inside Out Alignment Podcast. Today, we are blessed to have a wonderful guest with us, and that is Luan Burchclair, and she is known as the Little Spark. That's what like really brought so much light in me when I looked at it, and she is a spark breakthrough change. And she is a business individual. She's the owner of PMC Events and Coaching, which she started 14 years ago. She's a director consultant for BMI, which is Business National International. She is a transformational coach, certified facilitator of the passion test and passion test for business. That's personal passion test and passion test for business. She's a professional speaker, a trainer, and event facilitator. Lauren, it's a blessing to have you here today. Welcome for coming, and thank you for being here. Thanks, Mary. I'm happy to be here. The one thing that re that really drew dragged me to you was uh, this notion of hugger, and. <laughs> which I would love us to start with, because I know we, going through this unprecedented time, uh, many of us are missing, you know, that space or that human uh, connection through her game. Can you tell us a little bit about you being a hugger and how you are managing this time, you know, this time that we are all going through, you know, not being able to hug, you know, most of our loved ones? Yes, you bet, Mary. I am a hugger. I've been a hugger all my life. Um, but something happened in um, uh, my journey where I was blessed to be connected with an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council and to be one of their support uh, team members for their events and conferences. And my first job with the organization was to hug everyone as they arrived at the meeting and to hug everyone when they left and to send them on their way and just love them in between. And I'm like, I can totally do that. Like what, like God given job, I love it. Right. And so I became known as a master hugger in that organization. And, and I was the one, right. That everybody knew, when they were arriving, they would expect a hug and uh, they would get it. And so over time, in the years that I've been with that organization, uh, the my fellow members said, you ought to write a book. You ought to write a book about that. And I start, oh, so I wear this little button, says I hug, to warn people that I'm a hugger. Like, I'm going to hug you. If I walked up and saw you, Mary, I would have given you a hug if we were in the same room today. And so it was a warning sign to people. And then I started noticing that people were coming up to me. Like I forgot I was even wearing it. And people would come up to me and go, I need a hug. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> it was so cute. And so then I started going, okay, this is like a human experiment. I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna document these stories. And I wrote a little book called I Hug. Excuse me. 
I hug my journey as a hugger. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <coughs> I'm really sorry, Mary. Mm -mm, that's okay. We are human. So I wrote this book called I Hug My Journey as a Hugger. It tells the stories of the experience that I've had while wearing the I Hug button. And it also has scientific facts of the value of the human hug and how it changes our physiology and actually makes us healthier to have those connections. So <clears throat> the struggle is real yeah. during COVID. <clears throat> the struggle is real. We huggers miss our hugs. So I was doing virtual hugs for a while. Oh. And I think it's our next thing that we have to adopt. I also do hug friends and close, uh, close friends and family members wearing my mask. Mm -hmm. And there is some articles that have come out about how when you hug someone, you typically your head away from them right it's like because <clears throat> my ear is probably on their shoulder mm -hmm. and my head is turned away from their face so with a mask uh, that we're and if we're washing our hands and good hygiene and all that right that right. the hugs are still okay you, you just you know right now for me i'm just being cautious that it's people i know mm -hmm. and and typically know where they've been or where they hang out and what what their own care is during these times. So a lot less hugging strangers because historically I was hugging strangers all the mm -hmm. time. In fact, it was my vision for 2020 to I hug across America. Oh, I, to I hug across America and hug people and spread love and human connection in the face of our political polarization. <clears throat> and uh, now more than ever, we need that, and I wish I could be out there doing that, but it's just not the right demonstration right now to be doing. As you said, uh, visual hug, we, that, that could work for now. Then when things get back, you know, not, not sure if it's going to get to real normal, but um, get to where you, we can actually reconnect then you can still follow your vision. I guess it's doing what we can, you know, at this time to be able to still connect in the space that we are in. Right, know? so we need to, I believe Marion, and I think most people would agree with me, mm -hmm. we have lost the ability to make eye contact with one another. And you literally can share love staring into someone's eyes. Yes. You totally can. And so the virtual hug, as I designed it, is crossing your arms across your chest, like the sign language for hug, right? Mm -hmm. Not touching and staring into someone's eyes. And that should be, you know, well, if you could do 20 seconds, that'd be awesome. 20 seconds is a long time for a lot of people. So, but that that's the direction. And if we could reclaim that, ability mm -hmm. to connect with our eyes is really what's important right now. I mean, even the smile's not working because it's behind our mask. Yes. And it's even getting to 
it's hard to even recognize people behind the mask. It is. I have seen so many people that I've known for, for years and I couldn't even recognize them. And I felt so bad. I'm like, look at what everything is turning to. Yeah, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I couldn't recognize you behind the mask. Right. Um, yeah, so I, we just pray and hope, you know, uh, something that it gets better. It gets better. Well, my belief is, Mary, that there is a grander plan that is meant to come out of all of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what that is. I can't begin to imagine. Sure. So I look for the positive that's coming out of it in every way that I can. And for example, I uh, look at families in their driveways playing basketball together or having a family fire out in their yard. And it's like, yeah, they weren't doing that before. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I can see it around my neighborhoods. And so I go, it's bringing the family unit back together in a lot of ways and reminding people of what really is the most important things to us. A simple hug is really important. And we used to take them for granted probably with our family. And now we wish we had more of them. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay, Miss Lauren, you do one of your wonderful quotes. You're like your favorite one. <laughs> do what you love in service to people who love what you do. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? <laughs> oh, I would love to. <laughs> First, I have to give credit to the uh, quote master of that. Do what you love in service to people who love what you do. And that is Steve Farber. He is the author of The Radical Leap and the owner of Extreme Leadership. His newest book that just came out this year is Love is Just Damn Good Business. Oh, I just love it. So, you know, people talk even about the word passion. You know, I, I help people identify their passion. The words passion and love in business as if they're taboo. And the reality is they're important. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, if you don't love what you're doing, that's when it's work and it's painful and it's hard. And I want people to live in joy and do what they love. And guess what? People are attracted to people who love what they do and yes. who are passionate about what they do. And so do what you love to do in service to people who love what you Yeah, I got it all mixed up that time, but that's all right. You got the essence, right? Definitely. So I work with people in their businesses to build their business based on their passions and to share those with the world, articulate why they love what they do so it attracts people to them. Instead of us having to go out and sort of seek and scratch and claw for the next customer or client it's an attraction methodology of drawing people to you because they see that you're so passionate and love what you do and they want to be around that yeah and that energy is a, it's a, it's a wonderful energy you know to be uh, around it's a wonder, wonderful energy to interact with because definitely um 
being in fellowship or working with such an energy would definitely bring change because it's something the person who is doing it love what they're doing and then you love them so just imagine what love you know that real essence of each and every one of us is and what that can you know the result that that will bring in the life of of other people so that is really well thought of <laughs> right and for even the hardcore business owners do they want their customers to love them and their products yes definitely right coca-cola pepsi mcdonald's whoever they want people to love them so they come all the time and buy their products all the time so it's just that simple <laughs> and if you want your customers to love what you're doing well you've got to love it too and you've got to love all over your customers yeah. right mm -hmm. so love is the word and like you said it's the essence of all that is i think it's another reminder that we're supposed to be getting out of this situation what's most important that we love each other and that we are kind to one another. I, in, in my website, I hug, the I hug movement website, there's mm -hmm. a piece about what happens in a crisis. And this was before the pandemic, right? What happens in a crisis? What happens when a tornado strikes or Katrina hits New Orleans or any other hurricane, right? Down in the Bahamas. What happens? People come together. They're no longer looking at race, religion, sexual orientation, anything else. It doesn't matter. They come together and they support one another to persevere because we're all in the same predicament, right? Sure. So guess what? The world is in the same predicament. All over the world, we're dealing with the same pandemic to remind us to come back together and love one another and support one another. That's it. Stop the infighting. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> <laughs> you shared something about personality assessment. And you, during that process, you said it was really a difficult thing for you to do. And can you tell us about the process and also what distinguishes that process of personality assessment to passion test conversation? So, I think you heard a Facebook post that I did. Um, and what I was really trying to articulate is that for me personally, mm -hmm. doing an online test where they asked me a whole bunch of questions, mm -hmm. and in this particular case, they appeared to ask the same question over and over again in different ways, really annoyed me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just personally annoyed by that particular process. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine that other people would be as well. Um, I'm not the only one, right? That right. might be annoyed by that particular type of process. Others might love it. You know, there are different types of personalities, right? An engineer, a researcher, technical minded person, they might think, oh, this is really cool science, that they're really spinning these questions in different ways to get at the right answer and make sure that you're answering it true to your personality or whatever. I don't know, it was just annoying me. 
-hmm. And so if you don't like those online assessments, then the passion test, what I want people to be aware of is not an online assessment. It is not a test even. It's a process that I and many other people around the world, there's lots of us facilitators around the world, <clears throat> help people to process through. That's why we're called facilitators. We facilitate a process and oh, help people to dive deep down into their soul and identify what it is that they are most passionate about and set a course to doing that in their life. Maria, are you familiar with the Strength Finder assessment? Mm, no. Okay, so many people are, so we'll speak to it briefly and you ought to look it up later. It's called the Strength Finder 2.0. Uh, it's owned by Gallup now, and um, you can go online to the Strength Finder website and you can take a test. It's about 120 questions on a Likert scale. Do I like this or not? And it spits out your top five strengths at the end. Very cool. Love that assessment. Tell people to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I call it the scientific methodology at getting at who you are. And it talks about your strengths, your skills, your talents that you were born with. Okay? So that's the head methodology by taking this test. The passion test is the heart methodology mm. at getting at who God designed you to be and just go do that. And I tell people, if you take the strength finder, you know what your skills are and you take the passion test, you know what your heart and soul is telling you and you took, put the two pieces together. It's a powerhouse of knowledge oh. of just who God designed you to be. Just go do that. Wow, that is amazing. And that's what I love to help people do. Step yeah. fully into authentically who they are, who God designed them to be, and just be that. Because we are so busy, historically, comparing ourselves to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And going, well, I want to be like her, or I don't want to be like her, or they're more successful, or they're prettier, or they're stronger. We're all each unique individuals. We just need to own it. That is step the truth. In and own it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are so right. So that was Strength Finder 2.0. Yeah, I will have this at the bottom of uh this um podcast on the description box. So you know, listeners yeah. can actually go there and uh find that out. And yeah, so make sure that people look up the passiontest.com as well. Sure. And no matter where they are in the world. There are facilitators like myself that you can work with. And of course, in today's day and age, everybody can also work with me via Zoom and I can take them through the process and I love to do that as well. So I can work with anyone anywhere in the world as well, I guess I forget that now that we're all online. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so my personal website is luannb.com. That's L-U-A-N-N b as in boy.com if people want to look me up i do a free 30 minute uh discussion with them about this very kind of conversation and what it means to them and then if they want to step into the process great and if they decide they want to go do something else that's okay too i just love meeting people mary and supporting them and being successful 
Yes, and that's exactly what you're doing. Just, uh, you know, sharing this is so, so uh, insightful. And also you have like the seven principles of living with passion, which is a free gift, you know, for those who, you know, visit your website. So I have all that re uh, written down, your website and where they can contact you. So oh, I'll make sure I have uh, everything down, you know, on the description box of this uh, conversation. So, Fantastic. yeah. I also realized that you are a spiritual person, not saying that I know we are all spiritual beings, you know, having human experience in this earth. That is uh, definitely what it is, but you've shared a lot of, you know, uh, things on, I see that, you know, on Facebook on your page about, uh, you know, spirituality about, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in this, uh, your spiritual mm -hmm. journey and, how it got you connected to, you know, to what you're doing today, please. Well, that is a fascinating uh, question. Thanks, Mary. So I was uh, raised in a Catholic family, very um, committed to the Catholic church, but in a sense of this is just what you do. Um, not a sense of that I fully understood Mm -hmm. uh, what they were teaching or that we talked about it at dinner, we followed a routine. You know, we said a particular prayer before mealtime and we went to church on Sunday, but it wasn't a conversation on a regular basis. So by the time I was on my own 18, 19 years old and no one was making me go to church on Sunday, I didn't go to church on Sunday and I wasn't part of any sort of faith-based community. Um, all through my college years and my early career. And uh, actually my children weren't even raised in a, uh, uh, I wouldn't even say faith-based home, you know? And I think there's a big difference between uh, religion, faith, and spirituality, right? Those are big words. Um, and it was actually my work with the passion test that brought me back into a space of faith and that's really a lot about what our book is saying is you're a co-creator and you need to have faith. You need to imagine and create in your mind what you want in your life and then co-create with a higher power. And ultimately it led me back to Jesus Christ, which is very interesting mm -hmm. because frankly, my friends in, uh, uh, Catholicism and Christianity in some levels uh, reject my conversation about the passion test because within the book, the passion test, it also talks about Buddha and other different, uh, what they perceive as different faiths. And so I, I believe in Jesus Christ and a higher power and God, and I don't align with any particular religion. Which is beautiful because I think that even most other religions out there, they still, you know, we all still come back to that higher power. You know, they might do it in different ways, but we still come back to that, that real essence of life, that power that breathes each and every one of us, which is, you know, you being able to recognize all that. I think that is what we are supposed to do because we are here as unique beings and everybody is free to make a choice of where what in, uh, according to what they believe in and make those choices 
So coming together and having that conversation with others, you know, or talking about them and acknowledging, you know, the fact that they have their own religion, you respect that. It is wonderful. And it gives a beautiful space where we can share and exchange and just, you know, and still come to a place to understand each person in their own perspective and in the way they think about it. Yeah. So, um, I guess that the big message that I, that I got out of my faith growing up when I was a kid Mm -hmm. was, was that we're all loved and, and God loves everyone and we're all accepted. And so when, when even, you know, someone in Christianity rejects uh, my conversation, I go, that doesn't even align with accepting all people. I had a retreat at uh, uh, a Christian-based facility, and I had brought my statue of my laughing Buddha, which if we were on camera, you could see behind me. And they were like, what is that doing here? And I'm like, isn't it cute? I so love it, you know? (laughs) And they um, kindly asked me never to come back. That that same uh, weekend, a uh, woman from uh, the Middle East who was interning with our local women's magazine joined us at the retreat and because I had other Indian deities displayed in the room, she walked in and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, you made me feel at home. Oh. And I'm like, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be welcoming to all people and all thought process. And let's have those good conversations about our thoughts. I don't know it all. Never will. I laughed at myself one time. I said, the day that I know it all, I'm going to move to another plane. The day I reach enlightenment, I leave this planet. So why am I in such a hurry? Just enjoy the journey. Yes. And so for me, it's a complete, this entire life is a journey of personal development and growth. And every experience I have around me is about that. It's about my own personal development. And then when I've learned what I'm supposed to learn here, I'll move on. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, that is so hard and touching. <laughs> I also, uh, you believe in the power of positive word choice. Yeah, so positive word choice. I know myself, I usually say to people oh it's no good to say that or say that you know like and i have trained myself also not to say certain things like i have let me say i'm diabetic i don't want to say this my diabetes because sometimes i feel like saying that it's as if i'm taking ownership of you know of Mm -hmm. it i'm taking stuff to make sure i don't have it but at the same time my words does not align with the actions that I'm you know, taking for it, you know, to get myself better. So can you help enlighten us about that, please? Okay, so thoughts become things, right? Right. Thought, thoughts become things, and that's where you're coming from. So even if I think about or own the term, I am diabetic, then yeah, I am, mm-hmm. right? And um, so for people to imagine, however, that I can say, 
I am healthy when they know they have diabetes. That's, the, you know, the disconnect. So you're going way deeper than I um, typically go. I mean, that is a stage of that. But I begin with the simple words <laughs> yeah. um, to fix some simple words in your language. And that begins with the word not. Okay. And any word affiliated with not. Because our mind fails to recognize the not and thinks you're saying do. So instead of if I say don't touch that to a child, the child automatically reaches out to touch it because it, the mind thinks I said do. Oh. So we call them naughty words, K-N-O-T-T-Y. And this was taught to me by my friend Bob Nickel, who he and I also co-authored a book together about the power of positive word choice in the customer service experience. Mm -hmm. And Bob literally eliminated the word not and any version of it, don't, won't, can't, couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't, and the almighty should from his language, because when you say should, you're put placing blame on someone else or yourself in that statement. Now, I honestly would tell you, I have yet to be 100% effective the way my friend Bob was at mm -hmm. eliminating those from my language, but I do a lot better than most. And I certainly can do it in anything I'm writing. They still sneak into my verbal language from time to time because they're so ingrained in me. Yes, me but, too. Yeah, uh, however, what I also point out to people is we talk a lot in the passion test about being in contraction and whenever we're stressed out anxiety forcing something to happen we're in contraction right we're shut down yes. and we want to be open to the world's possibilities right mm -hmm. well what are those words in the english language don't won't can't what do we call those Ooh. you know we call them contractions <laughs> so we're just speaking in contractions it's like, stop it. Oh. So like in my house and Bob's first book was called Remember the Ice. We, my husband and I will catch each other all the time. Like if I say, hey, don't forget. I just sent it to him this morning. I said, don't forget to get my prescriptions out of your car. And he said, please remember to get my prescriptions. I'm like, that would be correct. Please remember. <laughs> because if I say, don't forget, I'm telling him to forget. That's a beautiful way of uh, saying it though. So it starts basic with trying to do that, but mm -hmm. it does go d deeper, Mary, as you started to talk about into every thought that we have in our head is, is manifesting something. Sure. Right? And so getting control of our thoughts, which is a deeper challenge, I'm still working on it, right? Um, by and large, I'm a very positive person but I'm on the journey with everyone else. I still have to practice from time to time and catch a thought in my head and go, you know, like here's a common one. People will make a mistake and they'll go, oh, that was so stupid or you're so stupid. And then I go, oh, I'm not stupid. Wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I calling myself stupid? And we do that and we do it to ourselves. Yes, we do. You mentioned energy earlier. I caught myself, and this was years ago, but I caught myself doing a little road rage and screaming at someone from inside my car. And I thought, well, that was ridiculous. 
Who felt bad in that moment? Whose energy was uh, affected in that moment? Mine. That other person couldn't even hear me. He was down the road already. <laughs> and we do that all the time to ourselves too. My 16-year-old daughter used to sit in the car with me and complain about her friends. And I'm like, who are you hurting right now by getting angry about this? Only yourself and your own physical being. And that literally also, just like a hug can heal, those thoughts are detriment to our physical health. Yeah. That negativity against ourselves and the unfortunate statistic shows us, I think it's 77 to 80% of the thoughts that typically pass through our brain are negative. Negative self-talk. Oh, so there's a lot of work to be done to fix that. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, because it's like a daily thing and it's not easy to like, you know, catching yourself and you just talked about you being in a car and saying that and then having that honest conversation with yourself. And if each and every one of us can get in that space where we can, you know, speak the truth to ourselves and go deep and not try to, you know, try to sway away from it but really being honest with ourselves because in uh because we want to grow because we want to get better just imagine how it will be being in the consciousness and being able to uh pinpoint you know when we go wrong and try to you know move forward in a better way so that is very interesting and even and all the examples you brought up are really cool ones so a quick a quick uh tool tip for your listeners mary is to watch your i am statements and when you catch yourself saying something negative because you will and that's okay it's human nature it's gonna happen is that you turn it around with a positive i am statement okay i am beautiful i am smart i'm kind i am loved just turn it around and keep practicing that to change where it naturally goes to. So we can reprogram the neural pathways of our brain. Science proves it, our, it's neuroplasticity, right? And we can reprogram that mush up there. And so it's reprogramming it that the positive comes up first instead of the negative you've been telling yourselves for how many ever years you've been on the planet, right? And Bob and I, we call it reframe it. The minute you catch that you've said something wrong, like I did with my husband this morning, turn around and reframe it. And he was just helping me do that by going, okay, honey, did you hear what you just said? Say it this way. And so, and that's a pleasant also way to help each other. Yeah. When you think of it as reframing it rather than I'm correcting someone, I'm helping someone get stronger in how they speak to themselves or others, you know, and it's so silly too, because what did our mothers used to say, right? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Now it's got all those knots in it, but the reality is the truth, right? <laughs> Only say positive things to yourself, to others in any situation and make the world a different place. Beautifully said, yes. Uh what is one last thing you would love to share with our audience, especially those who have this uh, low self-esteem? They feel like they are not enough. They feel like they need something from outside to make them complete. 
can you uh yeah we need so, to have something great from you so this is a a human condition yeah that every one of us has at some point sometime in our life you are not alone you are surrounded by other people who have the same some just cover it up better than others or work harder on it but everybody works on that conversation in their own heads so be brave and step up and ask for help that's what i would tell them and the passion test is a simple yet powerful way to step through that and believe in yourself and step fully into just who you are i've seen it time and time again change people's lives it's so powerful and yet so simple but it always has to be done with another person because like these assessments we can mm -hmm. even manipulate and second guess ourselves on those tests right like when you're sitting in conversation with someone else or maybe it's me i you know i call bs <laughs> wait a minute are you really thinking of you or are you trying to prove something to someone else kind of thing by what you just said you know so yeah i'd love to see them take the passion test it's a beautiful powerful system changed my life i teach it because I wanted to live it every day. It's a philosophy to live every day. And so that's why I teach it because when I am the teacher living the teachings and when I teach something, I live it more thoroughly in my life. I like that. I like that. The more you do something, the more it becomes ingrained in you. Yes. It becomes, you know, part of you. And without effort, you live it. There Definitely. You go. Mm -hmm. Without effort. Absolutely true. Yeah. Thank you so very much, uh, Lauren, for the wonderful and great insights. You've shared a lot and I was taking down notes. So I'm gonna make sure I have some of these highlights, you know, on the description. So uh, listeners can actually jump in and enjoy, you know, this great conversation with the wonderful insights that you have shared with us today. And not only that, you being somebody who is there to support, you know, somebody who will be there as um, that partner in belief for those yeah. of you who feel like, oh, I can't do this, or you, you have that negative talks. She, uh, Luan is here, I have her information, so you'll be able to get to her. She already talked about the passion test. And I know she has many more and many more to share with you she's that support system and that is the reason why uh, inside out alignment is here to bring people who have walked you know through situations which have been maybe not like yours but which are similar and have you know thrived and they're thriving they are on the other side so i want you to consider the pain of being where you are some of i know that i went through my pain like in many for many years like 10 years but i came to realize that you know going through that pain and keep living it it's not healthy for me so would you like to take the pain to go through a process that will make you come on the other side and being able to live the life that you love or you want to continue to be in that position where you feel like you're not enough the choice is yours but I also know that we're here to let you understand that you're not alone, that people are here who can help you 
you know, take you from that place to, to where you would love to be, to help bridge that gap. So take advantage of this. Do not hesitate, especially during these times. Uh, Luan is here, just contact her and she will give you and she will help you out. And I'm sure that you'll be the light in your world and you will encourage others to take that, to take that step, to also take that leap for your life. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Luan, for your patience and for all the sharing coming from your heart. I really appreciate you being here today. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. So listeners will come to the end of uh, this episode. Take care, be blessed, and do not forget, take action. <laughs>